conversation. There's always something good on. Your radio doctor. Business, everything tech. And Rwanda's Green Agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Welcome to our broadcast. We're thrilled to have you on the Negro episode of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. Here we share insights and experiences that without a doubt will inspire you to navigate the exciting world of entrepreneurship. Well, call me Jesse, the African son, and I'm here with Ephraim Ramwenje, who lately has become a student of business. Welcome, Ephraim. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having me. Uh, we just want to talk about reinventing yourself in business mm-hmm. or what some people could call starting over. Mm-hmm. But by way of introduction, a student of business, why, how? So, I've been an entrepreneur from the, I would say, it's been 13 years. Mm-hmm. 13 years, yeah. Um, since 20, 2010. And what I've learned is that you never really know. You can never say you've arrived. Every year, every new challenge, every new business, every new opportunity, every new environmental change teaches you something new. And so that's why I say I'm a student of business. I've been in business 13 years. I know the people who have just started that, those who are thinking of starting. But even after 13 years, there's so much I, I still don't know. And so why I would say student of business is because that process of growing your business, starting a business, and making it what you want it to be mm-hmm. is a forever learning experience. You you learn on the job and you apply what you learn as you go along. I've seen some people mm-hmm. two years, three years in business, they call themselves serial investors, serial <laughs> business mongol. Mm-hmm. They're never students? They just become that in a short time? No. Um, so do you know there's a, a crazy thing about education? Let's leave entrepreneurship for a second. As you get more degrees, you learn the more you don't know. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And so you find most of the people who get to PhD doctorate level, they are so humble about that education because they're like, look, I actually don't know much. But find a graduate who has just graduated from the university, has one degree. The person is an expert on the job. They're like, my bosses don't know what they're doing. And and the boss has been on the job for a very long time and they have a master's. So you find in this context, it's the same thing. The longer you run a business, the more you realize you have to learn from others Mm. if you truly want to do what you envision. Because you can't try to build a million-dollar business with a $10,000 mindset or you try to build a billion-dollar business with a million-dollar mindset. You need to always keep adapting. And sometimes there's even stuff where they talk about wartime CEOs and peacetime CEOs. That's also another dynamic that when a business is struggling, the mindset you have to get it out of that mess is different from when it's thriving. And you now need to focus on expansion. And so these are just the things where I keep saying, I'm like, when guys are fresh out, they don't know what they don't know. Mm. As you get years into it, you're like, okay, I really don't know what I'm doing. Well, today we're talking about reinventing Mm -hmm. your business, reinventing, starting over. Ephraim, would you briefly share with me what this really means? I don't know if you have any practical examples of what it means for when someone makes a decision to say, I am starting over. Okay, so I would like to, I would like to reframe that, um, that question um, and more look at it as a refresh. 
oftentimes you find you find we find ourselves stuck we may have a business we may be operating um below par below average and we find ourselves stuck and you find that the only way for you to move forward is to actually take a step back and hit the refresh button imagine like you have on your browser you have a web page and it's really loading slow what do we normally do we go and hit the refresh button. For those that use Windows computers, what do you do when you, you see your computer is running slow? You go to the desktop, you right-click, you go down to what? Refresh. The reason why we do that is because we realize that sometimes things get stuck. Not because they're not capable of being what they should be, mm. but because it's just a circumstance where it is. And you find that happens to entrepreneurs a lot. Because you start your business, you have this vision. But as you go through the challenges and the struggles of running that business, trying to grow that business, um, you end up getting so bogged down with the day-to-day operations, you lose focus and you lose sight of what you had planned from, the, from day one. Mm-hmm. So you, you tend to have to hit the reset button. For me, myself, circumstances made me have to hit the reset button. And it's one of those things where when you take a step back and you look at how you're running your business objectively, you realize where you went wrong and what you could do better. And I think that for me is where um, a lot of entrepreneurs need what we're talking about today. Well, I think in starting over, in one other sense, is more like change has come. Mm-hmm. When you talk about resetting and hitting the reset button, mm-hmm. it's more like change has just arrived. Mm-hmm. How would you say you are motivated to embrace change and embark on a new entrepreneurial journey? Mm-hmm. This change could be getting into a completely new field, mm-hmm. a new environment, mm-hmm. change of territory. Mm-hmm. But how do you get the motivation to embrace that change? That's a very good question. Um, so there's a, there's a popular saying that you can't do the same thing over and over again and, and expect a different result. Mm. Actually, they, he, they liken it to, the, the author of that saying says, he likens it to madness. Um, and I think if you truly want to see a change in your business sales, in your profitability, in your cash flow within your business, you need to figure out that, look, something needs to change. Now, uh, when we talk, of, when we talk of, of, of life in general, they say the only constant is change right? Mm. And that one is, it's a non, it, you can't avoid it. Change will happen whether you like it or not. It will either happen by you or it will happen to you. That's the reality of it. Um, there's there's um, an example of Isaac Newton. He has a law called inertia. So inertia says that an object will stay in its current state of motion until a force is applied to it to make it change its state of motion. So if a ball is sitting on a table, it will not move until someone pushes it. Mm. And that ball will continue in, in perpetual motion until something another force acts towards it um but you need to understand that this happens in the context of a perfect world what do i mean by that if you roll a ball down a hill or roll it on a table like the table that we have here you find that it's gonna roll but there's gravity there's friction on the table and there's wind resistance that's preventing it from going and that's the reality of the environment we live in your business in of itself if you start making money and it's making money from day 1 the logic is that it's always going to make money and nothing's going to change if you used flyers t-shirts and act physical activations to get customers 
you believe that, oh, this, why should I fix what's not broken? Mm-hmm. But the reality is because the environment within you, within you find, where you find yourself is always changing, there's constant change, you also have to keep adapting and changing to it. So I normally tell guys, I'm like, instead of waiting for the change to happen to you, be active in trying to seek that change. So always challenge your business model. Always challenge your business to be like, okay, how can I make my business better without waiting for a problem to come up? And so it's part of the refresh button. When you find yourself in a situation where your business is not, I feel like I'm talking to to somebody who's like, I'm stuck and I need to figure out what next. Accept that it's going to change. That's the first, first step. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't always come is that we have fears for uncertainties associated with reinventing or starting over. Mm. So many of us. Actually, when you look around, Around the market here in Kigali, you'd find someone who is running either a saloon or they're into transport business. There's mm-hmm. no profit month on month, mm-hmm. year on year. Mm-hmm. But they keep doing the same thing because they fear to to step out of that comfort to try something new that they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to talk about how to overcome these fears mm-hmm. of the uncertain world, mm-hmm. starting over, reinventing yourself, pressing the refresh button so we can one can try to focus on when you look at an entrepreneur or let me just talk about you as a business owner you can sit there and you can try to look at it um you may want words to encourage you Mm. but i don't think words are what uh, words are what are going to help you you need to have a very practical strategy and formulation of strategies where normally the fear is removed because fear is a perceived it's a perceived emotion mm. you it's fear of the unknown you even use that word like you don't you are scared of what you don't know and the best way to deal with what you don't know is to try to minimize how much you don't know i don't know if you were together on yeah, this I do. and so when you go out there as a business owner you say okay look i'm not making any money and at the end of the day, let's be honest, the whole point of running a business is to be profitable. Yes, there's the impact beyond what just making money, but you want to make money. That's what helps you grow. That's what takes care of you and your family and allows you to, to be more impactful within that space that you're in. But the reality is that you're going to find yourself stuck and you're going to realize, okay, I need to change something. When you come to that point, you have to say, okay, what do I need to change? And so now you find yourself having to look around you and say, what has changed in relation to what I do? When I started this business two years ago or one year ago or one month ago, what was the, what was the, envi- which, what was the context in which I did business? And what is the context today? When you can identify those changes, now this is where it gets tricky. Don't change based on today's context. You have to loop into tomorrow. Exactly. So you have to look at the context of tomorrow. So when you develop your strategy, you're like, okay, in the short term, this is what I need to do based on the context of today. In the midterm, this is what I need to do based on the context of tomorrow. And five years from now or two years from now or next year, what do I need to do to ensure that my business is relevant? Because at the end of the day, it's about relevance. A customer has to look at you and figure, okay, this person is offering me something worth the money I'm giving them or even more because most customers want to get a bargain. So when they give you 10,000 francs, they need to feel like what you're giving them is worth 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once an entrepreneur can understand that and then plan for that, the fear, that feeling of that fear or that feeling that I don't know what to expect minimizes because it's about risk mitigation. 
How often should this planning happen? You know, planning and looping into the future on how to stage whatever it is, product or service. I would say three months. Every three every months. three months you sit down. Yeah, I would say I would say every three months. Why? Um, we're living in a fast-paced world, but someone would be like, "But it seems like it's too much work to keep doing," and that's why you hear a lot of people telling you that. Look, if you if you can delegate, delegate. You understand? Mm-hmm. Give if that task that you can hand over to somebody else, give it to them. Focus on working on your business, not in your business. Now, sometimes that sounds really cliche, and people are like, "No, but it's not practical." I've had somebody, and they can't do the job. This is what I'm going to tell you. At the end of the day. The best way to get somebody to do the work you want them to do is to create a very clear process and system. Look at McDonald's. If you go went into McDonald's, you don't even have to talk about the qualification of the person hand, handling the burger. You don't have to talk about a talent profile that the person has to be charismatic. What? No, it's a checklist to prepare that burger, to prepare that meal for the customer. It's a checklist. So when you train somebody on how to handle the checklist, do this, put the bun here, uh, put the patty on the grill for five minutes, Pick, put one pickle, one lettuce. Put uh, two scoops of this and that. You have a system and process. You can delegate that. Now, what that means is that now you have time to now work on your business. Now, when you work on your business, there are three questions you have to ask yourself. You're like, in 24 months, the first one, in 24 months, will my customer still buy from me? Mm-hmm. Like in 24 months, given the context and the way the world is changing and how, will my customer still buy from me? And you have to be honest because sometimes we delude ourselves, you know? The, I, the slang that I learned recently in Godululu is the Sululu. Like, <laughs> apparently, like, people are delusional, are delusional and they're accepting it. So, as an entrepreneur, you shouldn't be. That's the first question. The second question I would put forward is, are there any environmental changes that will render your product or service or industry relevant? Hmm. So, you have AI as an example. Um the changes, the advancements in artificial intelligence are really crazy. You find copyright, um, even what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. these AI-generated voices. You can yes. just pump in a script and you you don't know if this is Ephraim speaking or it's an AI-generated voice that's speaking. Mm-hmm. And you find that you need to figure that out and figure how to do it. It can be good for the, a business owner who owns a radio station because he doesn't have to have the overhead of a, of a, of a, oh, of a, of a radio, radio presenter. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. He just leases, he just pays them, gets their voice and brings it and it works. So once you understand like, okay, are there any environmental changes that will affect my industry? Then you can now start trying to figure out how to, to plan for that. Then the last question is, can my product deliver or service deliver more value for less cost to the customer? There's a, there's a school of thought called Blue Oceans and I won't get into the details here, but pretty much it's how can I give more for less? Hmm. How can I give more for less? So how can I reduce the cost to the customer? Like if a customer is paying 10K, how can I get that to 5K? But what they're getting is significantly more. And so there's a science around it. So pretty much that's what I'm trying to say. Like if you can ask yourself this question, these types of questions every three months, you may not get the answers, but because you're programmed in your mind, it becomes a very conscious habit that you do every year, at least four times. Um, and so you find that change ends up becoming a, an integral part of your business and your business strategy. Before we break into our next part of this episode, which is also our first episode of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty, here we're talking to you of insights and experiences that we know without a doubt will inspire you to navigate the exciting world of entrepreneurship. My name is Jesse, the African son, with my brother Ephraim Ramwenja here, who is a student of business. Mm-hmm. Ephraim, you spoke about strategy yeah. in your earlier submission. 
I'd like you to bring it home. It's easy to talk about strategy when you're referring to the KFCs, McDonald's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but let's talk to our folks here mm-hmm. on the road down mm-hmm. Kichuchuro. Mm-hmm. When they are thinking opening a business, mm-hmm. they are thinking, I want to sell something that is going to bring me back some money. Mm-hmm. And most of the time is where do I raise the capital from? Mm-hmm. If I have the money, whichever way I got the money, which is my capital to invest, and they ain't thinking about strategy because strategy look sounds very so academic. Mm-hmm. I find that we certainly start out in business not thinking about a strategy. Mm. A guy who says I'm going to cheek to open a boutique mm. because I have a boyfriend who's given me some cash mm-hmm. and I need to sell something and spend some time in the shop selling stuff. Mm. Not a strategy they are thinking about. How important is strategy? And how does it get into somebody's mind that before I start anything, mm. I must have a strategy? Strategy is simple. Three W's. Four, actually. Four W's. It's your what, your who, your, your way or your how, and your why. Mm-hmm. You heard that, right? What, who, way, and why. Now, what is your what? It's the product you're selling. Mm. It's very straightforward. Once you figure out, okay, what am I selling? It's, you describe the product. You describe like how it needs to, uh, what it does, the value it adds to the customer, the problem it solves. That's a few paragraphs because you know the product. Then you move on to the next thing. It's like, okay, who? Now, who is, who am I, who are the customers who are going to buy this? The demographic, break it down age group, gender, income levels, if it's household, if it's linked to household expenditure, what are the average sizes of the household? All that information helps. Why? Because it gives you a better picture of the customer. There's an aspect of business psychology that I'm not going to touch on today, but empathy is one of the greatest ways for you to be able to tap into a customer. Putting yourself in the customer's shoes to understand how you can deliver the best kind of value mm. at the best kind of price in terms of cost is one of the greatest ways for you to be able to tap into a customer. So when you dis- when you take time to define and research your who, who is going to buy my product, who is going to be my customer, it becomes very easy for you to be able to tap into them. Then after you have your who is your how, which is now the way, the third W, this is your business model. Now in your business model, how? literally answer the question if i say okay i have this product i have this customer take the product take the customer as point b take where you are with your product as point a the question is how am i going to get this product from point a to point b how Mm -hmm. business model is a fancy word for it but it's pretty much how so how okay do i need to hire employees do i have the money if i don't have the money where am i going to get it from how am i going to leverage the existing capital that i have Again, that's also another story for another day, but how we can look, we can have that in another episode about how to source capital and how to identify the different forms of capital. But it's like when I sit down and ask myself how, these are all the elements that come into play. Into play. You put that down on paper. It can't even fill one page. How am I going to take this product where I'm at, at point A, to the customer who's at point B? Mm-hmm. Then after you do that is the why. Normally people try to start with the why. I like to end with the why because the why brings everything together. Why am I in business in the first place? Because business will get tough. And I'm sure as we're talking about refresh, majority of you have, are dealing with 
you right now are dealing with the reality of a business that's not succeeding the way it should succeed. Mm-hmm. Go back to why you started in the first place. And that, that's what always keeps us going. So it's those four W's. That's what strategy is. It's nothing big. It's nothing complex. It's literally your what, your who, your how, which is the way, and your why. Radio Doctor, Business, Everything Tech, and Rwanda's Green Agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m. In the event that your why no longer exists, mm-hmm. for instance, let's say there are people in a certain area, you see they're craving a certain kind of food, and there's no one supplying that food. And then so now you have your why. I need to supply this food because there is demand for this food. And then these people are no longer existing in this particular area. So your why definitely is is at the time to say, I have to start over again. Mm-hmm. And that's actually now, it brings us to a point of adaptation and pivoting. Adaptation and pivoting. I mm-hmm. like the way you're looking at me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Jesse, you can go, you were selling potatoes, um, and then you decide to go start selling computers. It's, it's, the no, it's, it's, Entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, we have a very big issue. I know you you may say, okay, but um, this is my identity. Everybody knows in my family that I sell X. And then all of a sudden you come and now you're selling Y. And people are like, okay, is uh, is, is this person serious? Mm-hmm. Like, do they have a, do they seem like they're not focused? They don't have a focus, yes. I'm not saying jump and jump because that's where we now get these serial entrepreneurs. People who are jumpy, jumpy, they never focus on anything. They're jacks of all trades, but masters of nothing. No, I'm talking of where you see that the why, the relevance of your product. When you ask these questions, you're like, okay, in 24 months, my product is going to be relevant. What I'm selling right now, in 24 months, a computer can be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm trying to sell right now, competitors, the market is changing. I can't sell this anymore. Like Once this factory is set up, importing this product won't make any sense. And so you have to then at that moment pivot. And adapt, and so that's why why you find that when you hit the refer- part of adaptation and pivoting, I mean part of refreshing is adapt- adapting and pivoting to the changing circumstances. Part of now embracing the change. Mm-hmm. I can give you one simple example. Um, I had a company called Thomas Fort. It it did office spaces at. We started in Chichichir, then we moved to Kigali Heights. Now at Kigali Heights, we went on the sixth floor. We partnered with somebody. We did a co work space. Well and good. But then we started noticing that our customers were growing. Because you know, a co-work space, it's one desk. Mm-hmm. So some com- companies would come one desk, then they'll get two for that com- as their employees grow. They'll get to a point where you can't be paying for five staff members. So they would leave. Actually, one cl- client of ours actually set up an office directly opposite us. Mm-hmm. And then another one set up in front of us. And so I remember thinking, I'm like, but we're losing business. Because you know, your customer... There's something called LTV. This is the lifetime value of your customer. Mm-hmm. For the duration of your relationship with this customer, how much money can you get from them? Like how much business can you generate through this relationship? What ends up happening is that if you have customers who leave your pipeline, still getting the same service, but another aspect of it in the value chain, you're losing money. Granted, you may not have the capacity to take advantage of that, but you have to figure it out. So what we did was that we are like, why don't we go into the serviced office space? 
Now, where these customers who can't be in a co-work space anymore and they need a bigger space for a client, we offer them the same type of service, but at a, a bigger price. And we did that. We went on the third floor of Kigali Heights, same building, and we just put in partition and put in furniture and customers went. And that was part of adapting and pivoting. And mm-hmm. we got customers. Mm-hmm. And then obviously COVID hit that I'm sure that the landscape changed. I mean, like right now, if I was to tell you what I would do, I would do virtual offices. That's part of pivoting and adapting. Ephraim Ramenje is a student of business and uh, through conversations online and offline, I get to learn a lot from him. And so in this conversation, as we almost bring it to an end, uh, Ephraim, 13 years as an entrepreneur and you still have many years ahead of you. I'd like us to just talk about the things you've done uh, before. Uh, several. I think I've found you in several areas of enterprise. Uh, so your lessons from the past. What key lessons did you carry forward from your previous business experiences that contribute, you know, to the fire and energy that you still have and hungry to do more in the entrepreneurial space? I know in between there, there was COVID. So many things have happened. Mm-hmm. The country is changing too much. Mm-hmm. So many policies, like the one AM policy that has, is coming up in September. What lessons did you adapt from the past in the 13 years of your enterprise? Okay. There are the technical operating lessons. Then they're just the broader lessons. Let me start with the technical operating lessons. Number one major lesson that I learned was avoid fixed costs. Avoid fixed costs. Actually, I call it AFC. It's my, it's, if you can avoid fixed costs in your business structure, your operating structure, your cost structure, your cash flow improves and so does your profitability. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about the fixed costs. What is this fixed cost? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. there's fixed costs like your rent. Mm-hmm. If you're renting. Mm-hmm. And even your salary. How do you avoid it? Don't rent. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> there are so many options in the market right now where you can pay as you go. I remember in 2016, I talked about, I was, I was in, I was actually in Botswana and I'd gone to speak about the future of entrepreneurship. Mm. It was at a job summit. And I talked about the shared economy. I talked about the Ubers and the Lyfts of this world. At the time, it was still a, a new idea to most people, the Airbnbs of this world. And I was like, and the WeWorks of this world. And I was talking about like, the world has shifted from you having to sit on redundant assets, redundant productivity. You shouldn't, if you're not in your office 24 hours, seven days a week, there's no reason why you should pay for 24 hours, seven days a week. Hmm. You should be able to find the solution I'm not going to do free marketing for anyone here because I was about to give some examples of places people can go. But there are options out here where you pay as you use. Co-work spaces, as we've mentioned, different locations around the city. You can go rent a boardroom as you need it. You don't need that. In today's world, you just need an address. You don't actually need to physically have an office. You avoid that fixed cost. Let me talk about salaries because that's the one I like the most. Mm. Because when you look at you our largest... avoid the salaries. You can avoid the, the fixed cost of a salary. Pay, make it a variable cost or make it a output-based salary. Someone's like, how? When you make it output-based, meaning that you only pay someone for what they produce or what they output, and not all businesses can do this, but most small businesses can. 
because what most small businesses do that structure is very you very you don't need a lot of support structure um support infrastructure staff you don't need infrastructure um it no so you're basically saying put people on commission it's not commission. <laughs> you call it commission. Someone will be like, ah, but that's commission. No, it's not. You give them a base salary that normally works for allowances and transport and everything, something very small that the company can manage, but the rest is output. It works two ways. One, it, it, it helps vari- make the, 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 your cost structure on salaries mm. variable. That's one. Two, it also helps with, with weeding out non-performers because at the end of the day, you're not running an NGO of friends who are going to sit together and encourage each other. No, you're running a business that has to make money and also has to deliver value to the customer. You don't want to have a staff member who talks to your customers badly, mm-hmm. who doesn't give your customers the service they deserve. So what happens is that if someone does that, they won't be able to produce. And if they're unable to produce, they don't get paid. And so eventually are like, ah, I'm not going to stay in this job and, and get no money. Mm-hmm. They get lost. What happens is that someone who is like, I'm really willing to work, they make significantly more than what, what they would have made on a fixed salary. And so that's one simple way to avoid fixed costs. Um, coming back, that's one of the technical lessons I learned. Mm-hmm. Now coming back to just the broader brush strokes about business. Um, resilience. We talk of resilience, but I think we underestimate what it looks like. Resilience is one of the strongest, it's one of the strongest character traits any but any person can have and as an entrepreneur it's the most critical but now here's the crazy thing no entrepreneur is born with resilience that's perfect it's a muscle that you train you build it yeah Mm. and so how do you build it it's always waking up the next morning and saying okay what can i do better than i did yesterday it's as simple as that every day you wake up a day at a time before you know it should be three years in you are people look at you you go through some of the most devastating things in life and people look at you they're like but how like, uh, do you know the problems I used to do, I have dealt with in my past? Like, these problems pale in comparison. And so, like, you have that that resilience that is iron that ironclad. And you find that it has come over time of going through the struggles. You're failing to meet rent. The landlord is, I'm gonna, the landlord is like, I'm going to kick you out. You're failing to meet employee salaries. You're, it's the 29th of the, th- of the, of the, of the month it's a thursday you know friday guys like it's umuganda on saturday we want to enjoy our salary what and you're looking you're like where am i gonna get money but you're like i'm gonna figure it out Uh you're gonna wake up and face it because who else is gonna face it so those are some of the lessons i learned i'm touching here and here and there because we don't have the luxury of time but in reality business is one of the most beautiful things because it make it brings out a a part of your character Uh that you wouldn't have been able to access otherwise. Wow. This brings us to the end of, not really the end, but to the part one, our integral episode of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty with Ephraim Ramwenje, myself, Jesse the African Sun. Here we want to inspire you with insights and experiences without a doubt on how do you navigate the exciting world of entrepreneurship. We'll be announcing to you dates on when our second episode will be coming. Thank you so much for listening.
conversation. There's always something good on. Your radio doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m.